This is Times Radio. Daryl Morris on Times Radio. Hello there, good evening. The government are grappling with changes to the way that migrants arriving in the country are going to be processed, uh, with processing centres being planned abroad. I could easily be talking there, couldn't I, about Swella Braverman and the UK, uh, the UK government, but I'm not. This is a challenge facing Joe Biden this week as pandemic-era border controls come to an end. Let's speak to John Bonfinger. He's in uh, Latin America for us, in Mexico for us uh, tonight, uh, the other country that is significantly impacted by this story. John, good evening. Hey, Daryl. Um, what are the current border controls, these COVID-era border controls, um, that come to an end on Thursday? So there's multiple, but the one, the specific one that comes to an end is Title 42, COVID-era Trump-implemented policy designed to summarily remove and deport migrants on public health grounds. Uh, so that's really the main one, and that's already leading to a surge on the border as migrants perceive, well, migrants and migrant traffickers perceive that this week, uh, for a period, it's going to be easier to get people across the border. U.S. detention centres are currently at double capacity. El Paso, Texas, just a couple of days ago, just had a few dozen migrants in the city centre. That's now over 2,000, and a number of border towns in Texas have declared a state of emergency. This Title 42 is being replaced by, as you say, overseas migration centres, uh, which is basically designed to move the US-Mexico border abroad internationally uh, so that the only legal pathways towards asylum are actually then uh, available in uh, countries overseas at the moment, Guatemala and Colombia. Um, and yeah, that's the current state of play, is that this attempt to shift the, the geographical point of conflict away from the 2,000-mile U.S.-Mexico border to, to places overseas. Right. So is this, is this, is this about, about, about the sort of geography of this, designed to try to weed out people perhaps who don't have a genuine claim to coming over the border? Would that be fair? Because if you don't, you wouldn't bother going to Colombia to have this, uh, to, to Columbia, sorry, to have this processed. Is that, is that the logic? The, the, the logic is that the sheer weight of numbers, I mean, we are talking between at the moment seven to 10,000 uh, apprehensions a day on the US-Mexico border. So that's about 250,000 uh, a month. I mean, this is, you know, it is significant, um, uh, significant numbers that attempt to uh, to cross. And it is it is not just a political issue for the Biden administration. It is also you know, a serious issue for the southern states and for um, customs, border patrol, uh, and the U.S. infrastructure. So, on the one hand, for sure, the Biden administration is trying to move the political football elsewhere, so they cannot be uh, beaten about the uh, the head with it. Apologies for the mixed metaphors there, Daryl. But um, <laughs> that's sort of, on the one hand, and the second thing that they're trying to do, for sure, is to try and. Uh, control the the, um, uh, the uh, fundamental human conflict and misery which exists for migrants around the border area and replace it somewhere else where it is more easily managed, not just with numbers, but also with, uh, with, with infrastructure. So that's the theory, at least, whether that's actually going to have an effect. I mean, certainly no migrants that I speak to or have spoken to for the last few years are generally dissuaded by uh, the, the long trek north. They might wait a little while or, or undertake a slightly different route up there, but basically they know that what what the US government is trying to do is to dissuade them from getting getting to the border because if they get there, their chances of crossing legally, illegally, and getting across with family members to work in the US, it, the chances are, are, are decent. All right. What happens if they do go through the, the, the legal route and they don't succeed? 
Um, they uh, they have to stay in their country of, of of abode or a safe third country. In fact, that's one of the other policies that emerges from the Trump administration is that uh, there was this safe third country policy that was implemented, which actually the Biden administration is also amplifying now, in which um, no migrant that passes a country on the way to the U.S. is allowed to enter the U.S. unless they have, or rather they, they have to seek asylum uh, in that third country, uh, they, they can't just continue on into into the U.S. Currently, uh, if you get across uh, the border, you're held, released, uh, deported. Very few people actually get across. And if you attempt to uh, to access the legal pathways in whatever country it is that you're, you know, the, the migrant centre in those countries, realistically, what's going to be taking place is you are going to be waiting years and years and years. This is a um, uh, an attempt, cynical some might say, to kick this migrant policy into the long grass abroad. Right. How much cross-border collaboration is there between the US and Mexico on this issue? This is fascinating because you would think not so much, but actually Mexico has long been complicit in US immigration policies, uh, partly in terms of funding, but also, I mean, actually since the Obama administration, the U.S. has been trying to move the border south. And at that point during the Obama administration, actually, the Mexican government agreed to fundamentally move it to the Mexico-Guatemala border. So enhanced uh, enhanced uh, policing, military police presence on that border to try and stop migrants getting into Mexico uh, in the first place. And now, actually, uh, these other countries, your Guatemalas and your Honduras and so on, are actually also attempting to do the same. So there is significant uh, collaboration at the moment between the US and uh, and Mexico on migrant issues. Right. Just very briefly, John, I'm already a bit late for the news, but I just want to ask you this. Just a reminder, really, if you will, who are the people at the heart of this story? Who are those that are crossing the US-Mexico border and why? Um, in large part at the moment, they are Haitians uh, fleeing uh, gang violence in Haiti recently, or also who perhaps went as economic migrants to Latin America a few years previously, and then due to COVID lost all their jobs. They are Venezuelans. They've been escaping the economic conditions and political persecution in in Venezuela. They are, they are Nicaraguans who are uh, fundamentally doing uh, doing the same. It is mostly these kinds of people from those countries. There are also economic migrants from uh, further afield, for sure. And there are also migrants uh, that come from other international countries, such as Ukrainians, because Ukrainians don't need a visa to enter Mexico, but they do to enter the US. So uh, there is a smattering of uh, people from all over the, the globe, significant numbers, of course, you know, the vast majority from uh, from Latin America and from a few particular countries. Cuba would be another one, of course, currently under undergoing its, its uh, most severe mass migration in its uh, in its modern history, uh, that are desperate to not just get into the US, but get away from their status quo. Mm. Fascinating, as ever. We'll keep an eye on that story uh, as it develops, as those changes are made uh, later this week. John Fenner, thank you. No problem, take care. You too, mate. Uh, John Bonfiglio with us uh, from Mexico on Times Radio tonight. Okay.